Aren't you glad that no matter what comes our way, with God we're a majority? God is able to do abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. We can be grateful for that. Thank you, Eric, uh, for that song. Independence Day, Declaration of Independence. If you haven't read it lately, it's an interesting uh, piece of literature. It's talking about freedom from the tyranny of England and, and the way that England was, uh, was doing things that were probably very inappropriate. Uh, we can think, look back to, to, to 1776 and of what, what people, the people that signed the Declaration of, of Independence were really pledging their lives. It says that, I believe, in the, in the Declaration of Independence. But many of them lost their lives. Many of them lost their fortunes uh, because of what they did. They were willing to do whatever it took to gain freedom. You know, God has done what it takes for us to obtain freedom, spiritual freedom. We recognize that there is a definite need for freedom. Last week we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 or so, that talked about the perilous times that have come. And it talks about the characteristics of people in this day and age. Verse 13 says, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Isn't that an apt description of what's going on in our world today? A lot of deception, a lot of being deceived. It's not a modern event. It took place back in Genesis chapter 3. When the, the, the devil, when Satan came to Eve and tempted her to eat of the fruit that God told her not to eat from. And she thought that it was good for food, it looked good, it would make her wise, so she went ahead and ate it. And of course, fellowship with God was broken. God confronted Adam and Eve. Adam blamed Eve. Eve basically said this in Genesis 3.13, The Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So often that's exactly what happens. In James chapter 1 it talks about the fact that we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. In other words, when we hear the word but we don't do it, quite often we deceive ourselves. We make ourselves think that we're doing well, but the reality is that we are not if we are sinning, if we're not living according to God's word. Uh, we, we see... Um, Three things that are taking place in Second Timothy chapter uh, 3, and we looked at them briefly last week. One is salvation. In 3.15, it says this, And that from childhood you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Uh, Timothy had heard God's word from a young age. And he recognized, Paul recognized, that those scriptures were able to make him wise unto salvation through faith in Christ. And that's what justification is all about. It's freedom from the penalty of sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? The wages of sin is what? Death. We deserve death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And because Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, if we believe in him then we have everlasting life. We're not going to experience death, eternal separation from God, but instead we're going to experience eternal life, being with God forever in heaven. So salvation or justification is 
freedom from the penalty of sin. John 1.12, as many as received him to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. So when we believe, we become his children and we spend all eternity with him. That's salvation or justification. Sanctification is freedom from the power of sin. When we become Christians, doesn't mean we don't sin anymore. We still sin. But the closer we draw to Jesus Christ, the more time we spend in his word and prayer, the less we are going to sin, hopefully. Sort of like a little kid. When a little kid is just beginning to walk, that little, little kid stumbles and falls quite a bit. But hopefully, after a while, he matures and he is able to walk most of the time without falling. Of course, as we get older, we start to fall again, but we're not going to go there. Salvation or justification, sanctification, becoming more like Jesus Christ. Verses 16 and 17 talk about God's Word and its role in that process. All Scripture is given by inspiration from God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished to all good works. God teaches us what we need to do. It tells us what we shouldn't do. It tells us how to correct it. It instructs us to be righteous. It helps us to be mature and complete. It helps us to do good works. Uh, and, and as we think about God's Word, it's living and powerful. And we need to spend time in God's Word on a regular basis. I would imagine that most of you eat at least once a day, sometimes two, three times a day. When we think about God's Word, isn't that spiritual food? But how often do we go for days on end without eating spiritual food, without spending time in God's Word? So number one, justification. Number two, sanctification. Number three, glorification. Glorification is freedom from the presence of sin. Now that's not going to take place on earth. It's clear in 1 John chapter 1 that if we say that we have no sin, if we say that we have not sinned, then we're deceiving ourselves and we're calling God a liar. Because all of us mess up, all of us sin. Not until we get to heaven and see Jesus face to face will we be perfect. And at that time, we will have freedom from the presence of sin. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and dead at his appearing and kingdom. In other words, when he comes back, there is going to be a judgment. We need to recognize that. The good news is that as Christians, Jesus Christ has taken the penalty of sin so that we know that we're not going to be judged to the point where we don't go to heaven. We know that we're going to spend eternity with him. First John chapter 3 and verse number 2 deals with this as well. John said, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Isn't that encouraging? That when Jesus Christ comes back, we're going to see him and we are going to be like him. Not only are our bodies going to be transformed and have bodies like him, but our spirits are going to be transformed and we're going to be like him. Paul dealt with that in 2 Timothy chapter Two, excuse me, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8 as well. Uh, back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 6. I am already being offered as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. He knew that he was soon to die. 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul recognized that he was not going to be living very much longer, but that he was going to soon see the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was going to get that crown of righteousness. Don't you look forward to the time when when Jesus says to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Don't you look forward to the time when you see him, you become like him, you receive the rewards from him? I think that, that as we think about glorification, we have a lot to look forward to. But when we think about here on earth, there are three things. Number one is the salvation, trusting Jesus Christ as Savior, being free from the penalty of sin. Number two is sanctification, growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ, becoming more like him. And then number three is service, seeking to serve him, seeking to live our lives for him. 2 Timothy 3.17 ends up by saying, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God, through his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, enables us to do every good work, to do anything he wants us to do, just like Eric sang a couple of minutes ago. In fact, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. God, through his word and through his grace, enables us to do whatever he calls us to do. And as we do it, Faithfully, one of these days he'll say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 5, gives several exhortations to Timothy. And as I began this, I was thinking this applies to Timothy. He was a pastor, so it doesn't apply to the church very much. But the reality is that each of these exhortations, even though it first and foremost applied to Timothy, therefore pastors, therefore I need to listen, it also applies to to each and every one of us. And the first is found in verse number 2. In fact, let me read verses 2 through 5. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Four exhortations. Number one, preach the word. Again, in verse number two, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. My responsibility as a pastor is to preach the word of God. To communicate to you what this book says. I'm grateful to be a part of a church where that's what you want me to do. That's what you expect me to do. I've had more than one person come up to me and say, I like it when you step on my toes. But you know the reality is that I'm not stepping on your toes. I'm just communicating the word of God, which steps on your toes through the power of the Holy Spirit. My responsibility is to preach the word. I've, I've told you about the time I went to a church in Brevard and The preacher got up and he talked about warm fuzzies the whole time. I don't think he opened the Bible the entire sermon. And it was very insightful. I learned a lot from that sermon. I learned how not to do it. Because my opinion 
My stories are not worth very much, but God's word is worth very, very much. So my responsibility is to preach the word. But when you think about it, isn't it the responsibility of each and every one of us to communicate the word of God? We might not do it from a lectern up in front of the church, but we have the responsibility to talk with one another about God's word, to encourage one another, uh, to, to, to share with one another. I think that sometimes we, we are comfortable talking about the weather or talking about sports or talking about holidays or something of that nature. But God's word indicates that we need to be communicating with one another the word of God. Think about it for a minute. If we're praying without ceasing, if we're meditating on the word day and night, doesn't it make sense that our conversation will have to do with the Word of God on a fairly regular basis? And yet so often we talk about God and the Bible on Sunday morning and don't do so all week long. You might not want to preach the Word, but you can sure share the Word with others. But really the word preach means to proclaim. Don't we need to proclaim the Word of God on a regular basis? Second Timothy 2.2 in fact, that's just a page or so back. Paul said to Timothy, The things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In other words, Timothy wasn't supposed to be doing all the preaching or the teaching. He was supposed to teach other people who in turn would teach other people who would in turn teach other people. Our responsibility is to preach the word or to share the word of God. Again, chapter 4, verse number 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. We need to be ready to share. I guess that means if, if, I, if I was went to a church on a Sunday morning and, and, and uh, the pastor got sick or something like that, I, I would need to be ready to share God's word. Could you do that? Could you get up and preach the word from a pulpit? You know, some people are not called to do that. I don't, I don't think that um, we're going to be calling on many of you to come up here and share. Uh, maybe Gray, we would do that to him. Uh, we, we might do that to Chuck. There might be a couple of others. But the reality is we all encounter circumstances where a word from God's word would be helpful. And, and even if we're not prepared, in season, out of season, we need to be ready to share what God's word says. In order to be ready to share... We need to be spending time in God's Word so He can help us to know what to say to others. It goes on to say, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. How many of you like to be rebuked? You like to be exhorted. You like it when people tell you what you should do or what you're doing wrong. That's the responsibility of a preacher. That's, that's the responsibility that some of us have. Now, my perspective is this. We don't necessarily need to walk around looking for somebody that we can exhort. We don't necessarily need to be walking around looking and saying, okay, who's going to do something wrong so I can get on them? But there are times when we have conversations with people who are making a, an important decision or times when people are perhaps making a choice that is not pleasing to God that we have a responsibility to say something. We need to be careful when we do it because we can come across as being super spiritual, as being, as being uh, an individual who thinks that they are better than others. 
we need to be humble and, and gentle in our communication with others. But it's our responsibility to preach the word, to proclaim the word, to encourage one another, to exhort one another. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about us exhorting one another. Preach the word, number one. Number two, prepare for challenges. If you seek to serve God, you are going to face challenges. Things are not always going to be easy. They will sometimes be difficult. For those of you who have been involved in ministry, you know that to be the case. Verse number three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. In other words, they will be resistant to the word of God. There, there are some people that really don't want to hear what God's word says. They just want to hear sections of what God's word says. They want to hear the positive stuff, not the negative stuff. But the reality is that the same Bible that talks about the love of God also talks about what? The wrath of God. The reality is that the love of God is shown by sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that we don't have to experience the wrath of God. The wrath of God which comes against those who do uh, unrighteousness and disobedience. Uh, Romans chapter 1, 16 through 18 talks about the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation to all who believe. And then a couple of verses later it talks about the wrath of God being revealed against unrighteousness. We need to recognize that that there are going to be challenges and people are going to be resistant to what we have to say as we communicate the word of God. But we still need to be faithful to do so. Again, we need to check our attitude, make sure that we're not coming across as judgmental, I'm better than you. But we need to discern what's right and wrong. As we look at our nation today, our nation is making some, some, some significant mistakes. Uh, our nation is, is doing some things that are, that are wrong, that are ungodly. And we need to be willing to speak up. We just need to make sure that we do so in love. There's a verse that says, speak the truth in love. So number one, prepare, to face, prepare for challenges. Number one, resistance to the word of God. Number two is suffering. Look again at verse number five. Be, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. It indicates that those who are godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I guarantee you that in your life, if you stand up for God, you're going to have some times where people persecute you in some way, shape, or form. You're going to have some people that ridicule you in some way, shape, or form. Is that, that's not fun. It's not something we necessarily look forward to. But we can expect it. The question is this. As we think about eternity and God saying to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant, is that worth enduring some suffering while we're here on earth? My perspective is that it is. The direction our nation is going, I would not be extremely surprised if 5, 10, 15 years down the road I get arrested for preaching the word of God. If I do that, Bring me chocolate chip cookies in prison. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Don't do that. 
I know that, that y'all would be supportive of me. But the, the reality is that we are more and more in an in a, in a atmosphere of persecution against Christians. If you live in other countries, that atmosphere is, is more obvious than here perhaps. But we're moving in the wrong direction. Unless there is revival, we're going to endure more suffering. But it's not just suffering for or, or the lack of religious freedom. It's people that make fun of Christians, people that make fun of our walk with the Lord and so on. Do you remember that uh, Vice President Pence was ridiculed because he had a philosophy of not going out to lunch with a lady by himself and that lady? And then the Me Too, Me Too movement took place. And then some people thought to themselves, you know, that was not a bad idea. Sometimes it's called the Billy Graham rule because that was his perspective. We need to recognize that we might have challenges. People might resist the word of God. People might cause us to suffer because of our stand for Jesus Christ. But we need to make sure that we respond in a right way and keep on serving. My mind goes to Matthew chapter 4. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what Jesus said in verses 43 and following. You've heard that it was said of old, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors the same? Therefore you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. In other words, even when people treat us poorly, we need to make sure that we show love to them. Prepare for challenges. Number one, preach the word. Number two, prepare for challenges. Number three, present the gospel. Now notice it says in, in chapter 4, 2 Timothy 4, and verse number 5, it says, Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Now there are some people that have the gift of evangelism. They can share the gospel and a whole bunch of people get saved. They can go and talk to somebody about Jesus Christ and the probability is that person will say yes. They have the gift of evangelism. But there are many of us that do not have the gift of evangelism. Even if we do not have the gift of evangelism, what are we supposed to do? Do the work of an evangelist. What's the work of an evangelist? It's basically sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The euangelion, the Greek word. The good news that even though we're sinners, Jesus died for us. So that we can have everlasting life if we believe in him, if we trust him as our savior. Each and every one of us have the responsibility of doing the work of an evangelist. And sometimes we shrink back. We're a little bit nervous because people might ridicule us or make fun of us. Or they might ask us a question that we might not be comfortable with. But still it's our responsibility to present the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. Now, there would be some who would say, well, as long as I live a good life, that's enough. Problem with that is that 
various people can live a good life. And some of them might live a pretty good life and, 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 and really not have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Plus, if we live a good life and we don't share the good news about Jesus Christ, how can they know the gospel? How can they know what it is to be saved? They might think, well, what we need to do is just live a good life. But God's word is clear that we're not saved by good works. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. It's important for us to, to not just live a good life, but instead to make sure that we communicate the good news about Jesus Christ. And we don't need to grab them by the shirt collar and say, hey, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, you need to trust Jesus as your Savior or else. That's not the most effective way to communicate the gospel. But we do need to make sure that we do share with others what Jesus has done for us. Prayerfully think about it. Learn the verses that talk about salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And pray for opportunities. Pray for people that need Jesus Christ. And then present the gospel. We're talking about serving God. God gives us an opportunity to serve him. And we need to make sure that we preach the word. Maybe not from a pulpit. But that we communicate with others what the Bible has to say. That we prepare for challenges because they will come. Whether resistance or suffering. That we present the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And then finally, that we persevere. Look at the last part of verse number five. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. I remember when I was in seminary, or it might have been when I was getting my doctorate, that I, that I heard that only one in ten of those going into ministry will finish in ministry. And that, that sounds like that's too much for me. But it is true that a lot of people who begin in ministry do not finish in ministry. There are a lot of people that sort of drop out for whatever reason whatsoever. But it's not just pastors who leave the pastoral ministry. It's also people who are very involved in church, very involved in serving God, but they they sort of slow down a little bit. They, they become cold. They're not as actively involved in, in serving God. I don't believe that Christian service has a retirement date. That doesn't mean that vocationally you don't retire when you're a pastor or whatever like that. And it doesn't mean that you don't slow down. Uh, I, I have known individuals who have worked hard around the church as far as the properties that got to the point where they couldn't do what they used to do. But they can certainly adjust. There, there are some people that have served faithfully in the nursery for many, many years. And, and, and they get to the point where they can't reliably hold a baby. Maybe they don't need to be serving in the nursery. They need to adjust their ministry and be doing something else. But each and every one of us need to be doing something. Because we're part of the body of Christ. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and God has ordained it that each one who's part of the body has a responsibility to be actively involved in serving the Lord. So if you're not actively involved in serving the Lord, you're not living totally in God's will, you need to be involved. You need to be available to do whatever it is that God wants you to do. Fulfill your ministry. It might be a little bit different than what you used to do. You might not be able to accomplish the things that you were able to accomplish earlier. But all of us have a responsibility to keep on serving. Paul put it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Isn't that good news? Our labor is not in vain in the Lord as we serve Him. It is beneficial. It is good. But there's a challenge there too. We need to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So as, as, we, as we think about salvation, trusting Jesus Christ as Savior, we're free from the penalty of sin. As we think about sanctification, living for God, being holy, we're free from the power of sin through faith in Jesus Christ who helps us. And then as we think about service, we're free to serve God. We're free to be what God wants us to be and make a difference in the lives of other people. But from this portion of Scripture, we need to preach the Word, to prepare for challenges, to present the gospel, and to persevere, to keep on keeping on. You can look at other portions of Scripture, and it talks about other ways in which we can serve. And my encouragement to you would be to evaluate your life and ask yourself the question, number one, have I been saved? Have I I trusted Christ as Savior? Number two, am I being sanctified? Am I becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ? And then number three, am I serving God on a regular basis? You see at the bottom of the screen it says, I am available. It basically means I'm available to serve. It's sort of saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Uh, we, we looked at, not long ago, the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. And that was the question he asked Jesus when Jesus appeared to him. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Some of us need to be asking the same question. Lord, what do you want me to do? And then we need to respond by saying, I'm available. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I am available and I am willing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and for its challenge. I know there are a lot of verses that talk about service. This is just one short passage and and there are many things that, that we need to be seeking to do. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to have the attitude that Samuel had when he exhorted the children of Israel. And he said, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart for consider what great things he's done for you. Lord, as we think about your goodness, as we think about salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, as we think about your provision, as we think about your help, as we think about your love and mercy and grace, I pray that you will help us to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I am available. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.